everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, it's Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I'm so happy to have you here specifically today because we kick off a brand new series that I am really, really excited about. If you know me at all, you know how much I love laughter and comedy and humor. It's one of my core values. I love funny people. I love funny movies. I love funny books. Um, I don't think that humor is unimportant. I think it's actually really necessary right now in a world that feels kind of angry and harsh. And so I'm so happy to bring you this series for the love of laughter. Um, I asked my team, you know what? Let's have fun. Let's bring some of the funniest people we know to the podcast so that my listeners can have five or six straight weeks of really great entertainment. And you are going to, starting with today's guests um, that I I am so excited to have on. Uh, These are are new friends, quickly becoming dear friends. And you are going to love this interview because it is so much fun. So today on the show, we have Kevin Nealon, who is married to beautiful wife and comedian, Susan Yagley. And so we have so much to talk about. Let me just touch on them real quick. Um, You probably know Kevin best for his nine-year stint on Saturday Night Life. He was on the show from 86 to 95 in what I truly believe were some of their golden years. Absolutely one of the best casts during that time that I can remember, um, created some of the show's most memorable characters. I mean, we still to this day in our house do Hans and Franz. Um, Kevin is one of the most naturally funny people I have ever been around. Um, he's, and he's got this huge resume, you guys, it would take me 10 minutes to go through it all right now, but he has, um, he was in weeds, just a critically acclaimed, not just role, but television show won all these golden globes, um, all these just amazing awards for that show. And he's been in so many movies, so many comedies that you love, um, anger management, wedding singer, happy Gilmore, Joe dirt, daddy daycare. It just goes on and on and on. Right now he's showing, he's currently um, starring on the show Man with a Plan with Matt LeBlanc, one of our other favorites um, on CBS. Um, another thing that he's doing right now that I really, we're going to talk about and I want you to, to, to pay attention to is this bit he's doing called Hiking with Kevin where he hikes with some of his friends and talks the whole time. And it's entertaining and it's interesting and it's funny. And and so we'll talk about that and where to find it um, a little bit later in the interview. So Kevin is married to Susan Yeagley. They've been married almost 13 years. They live in LA with their son, Gable, who's 10. And Susan is hilarious. She is also an actress and a comedian and has her own very incredible resume. She was raised, born and raised in Nashville and began acting like just age 10. In fact, one of her first gigs was an Amy Grant video. Don't think we're not going to talk about that. You guys, uh, she graduated from USC film school with honors. And then she went on, on to be a part of one of the most important comedy groups ever, the groundlings. Um, so she has a really great comedy pedigree too. And she's still super close to her, um, groundlings community. And, um, so sketch comedy and improv is her bread and butter. Um, in fact, working on the groundlings is when she got cast for her very first movie, a tiny little film. You might remember almost famous, 
awesome. Um, and so she's been in a ton of television shows with recurring roles, Rules of Engagement, Till Death, ER, Friends, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Everybody Loves Raymond. Maybe most recently, you probably know, know her with her a hilarious character, Jessica Wicks, on Parks and Rec. I mean, this was literally written for her. In fact, that was only supposed to be a one-episode character. And Susan's portrayal of her was so hilarious that she became a recurring character. She is, she's so great. And so uh, just fabulous people, you guys. We're going to talk about their rise to comedy and what it was like in the early years and what some of their favorite moments were, who their heroes are. Um, and I apologize in advance for all the times that all I do is laugh as loud as I can into my microphone. You might when it turned the volume down um, because we just guffawed through this entire interview and you are going to love it and you're absolutely going to love them. So without any further ado, it's just my pleasure to welcome to the show today, Kevin Nealon and Susan Yeagley. Jen, remind me again how I know you. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, I'm so happy to welcome you both to the show. You are just two dreamboats is what you are. Um, thanks for being on today. Thank, Thank you. you. We've got, what else are we going to do, right? Right. right. Monday. Yes, seriously. It's. I mean, what else is there to do says drink our coffee and eat our bonbons? This whole series on the podcast, you guys, is for the love of laughter. Um, comedy is near and dear to you and to me, too. And so um, I thought, let's just talk. Let's talk about comedy and funny people and comics and shows and writing and all the things that have made up your world for so long. So um, we got to meet uh, last year. When did we go, you guys? When did we go to Kentucky? Summer? Last June it was. Yeah, the beginning of June. Yeah, last June. We went to... Um, Blackberry Farms, right? That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Anybody it's who knows what that is, just sighed audibly. It's the most beautiful <laughs> place. You guys have been before, but it was our first time. It's a Blackberry Farm. It's a farm where they have cows that produce blackberries instead of milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a little known fact. So, yeah. you know, just one of the things that they're known for. Um, and we just basically laughed for three straight days. That's that's my memory. My memory is that we never stopped laughing and then we went home. Um, you know, Jen, I've never, I've never had it happen where I was eating breakfast with you and your beloved, um, and the waitress came and gave us a lunch menu because <laughs> we had right. been there so long. That is so right. And in fact, at that breakfast, Brandon was set for the long haul because he ordered two breakfasts. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and they'll just bring you whatever you ask for. Like you're just some kind of gross sloth person. Um, yes. That I just don't want to choose between these. And do you remember that every day I got a pancake breakfast dessert? That's right. You had breakfast dessert yeah. and then lunch dessert and dinner dessert. Just one. Mm -hmm. Just one pancake as my breakfast dessert. And I felt like that was fine. And it's a free country. This is why I can't order like two things like Brandon does, because I will eat both of them. Mm -hmm. I won't just sample them, you know, and then I will also eat whatever Susan doesn't finish on her plate. Of course. And I'm not even working on the farm. I'm just, you know, a visitor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know. We call that like uh, second breakfast, first lunch. I feel like when we're traveling for fun, eating is the anchor activity from morning to night and whatever else we do. You guys hiked. Like you moved your bodies. We ate first and second breakfast, first and second lunch, and we went to the spa. That was the totality of our <laughs> activity at Blackberry Farm. Well, that's because you guys don't have a chance to eat at home because you have so many kids. We just have one kid. 
So. Yeah, so true. That is so true. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies here. So, yeah. you know, you just have to kind of grab food and shove it in your face or it will be gone. You know, four of our five kids, you guys are teenagers. So Jeez. what's that like? I don't know. I mean, every day is just bananas and there's not enough of anything. There's not enough uh, like parents to go around. There's not enough drivers. They're not, there's not enough cereal. Uh, we're just like always running out of things and uh, it's the inmates run the asylum, but we should do wife swap because it would be fascinating. <laughs> you would come to this house, Gable's at school. Oh, yeah, it's completely quiet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. where you would just be, it's just quiet with one child, he's at school and you have to, nine hours of just stillness. I don't know what to say. I don't know what that <laughs> means. I don't know about the words that are coming out of your mouth right now. <laughs> what on earth? We, our kids are all, Gable is so dear. Like he is this well-mannered, polite, smart, interest. Our kids, it's like, it's like they're all insane people and they never stop talking. None of them, all five at once at all times. So I'm telling you, sister, you would not last two hours. You'd be like, take my money so I can leave. Our son is polite because we've threatened him. We said, if you're not polite, you're going to get brothers and sisters. Goes, oh, no, I'll be polite. I'll be we've polite. told him. We have told him. Even that though it's a fair threat. Even though his 46 year old mother's eggs have dried up, but we still threaten them. Listen, things can happen. There's there's ways around that. So I think that's really wise. I want to find out how both of you um, sort of came into the world of of comedy and, and comedic acting and what kind of led you. I'm going to start with you, Kevin. Um, uh, I know that you didn't really start out with the whole idea of being a comedian in the first place. You kind of thought you were going to be a mus- musician, right? And then you ended up with a very useful marketing degree. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like, how did this happen? How did this lead toward comedy? In a nutshell, you know, I, I have I had three different things I was going for. I was initially, you know, wanting to get into music because I love music, but it just seemed too um, intimate for me to sing on stage, and I, okay. I didn't know how good I was. And and I also went to school for for marketing to get a degree, just to have something to fall back on in case, uh, you know, my ultimate stand up career didn't work. But stand up comedy is what I really wanted to do. I used to love telling jokes, and I would memorize the jokes in the back of the Parade magazine. You know, they were the, yeah, my favorite jokes. It was called, and uh, and then I. I would personalize them as if they were mine. Not not in clubs, but just at parties with friends. You know, I say, "Hey, did you guys hear about this guy who uh, who stole a fire truck downtown today?" And they they thought it was real. You know, they said, "No, what happened?" I said, "Well, he was arrested three hours later by some guy who stole a cop car." And they go, oh. <laughs> but you know, it was all but stuff. It's... Yeah, but I love I love the reaction yeah. from people uh, telling jokes. And then I just you know decided that I check out the comedy scene because friends were encouraging me to you know go to comedy clubs and check them out. And this is back in the late '70s, so yeah. it wasn't like the boom that it is now. But so I went to New York City because I lived grew up in Connecticut, and I checked out the comedy clubs there, and it was so intimidating because you know it was just that tight New York crowd. You know, they're all jammed in to this little room, these abrasive kind of New York comics uh, on stage, very crass. And, you know, and I thought, oh, this doesn't seem like uh, something I might be uh, up for. But, you know, I've never been to California and I've I've always wanted to check out California. It's more laid back out there. And I think there's more prop comics out there or whatever. So I went out to California and just started hitting all the uh, open mic nights. When was that? Like, was that still in the late seventies or eighties? That was back in the nineteen hundreds, Jen. That was back specifically (laughs) nineteen seventy eight, I think it was. Who Mm. like who was big in L.A. at the time? Who were you watching? I was going into comedy. The first night I went into the Improv, I'm sitting at the uh, bar there, and to my left is Marty Feldman. Wow. In the hallway is Robin Williams. Oh my gosh. Um, Annie Kaufman comes on to do a set. 
you know, um, Jay Leno's doing spots all the time. So it was those types of people. Crazy. Well, mm. you did use that marketing degree, though. It did give you some inspiration for one of your fa- most famous characters on SNL, right? That's right. Yeah. I learned about subliminal advertising from uh, right. marketing. <clears throat> so um, one, the first sketch I ever did on Saturday Night Live was called Mr. Subliminal. Of course. And, uh, it's, it's almost like two conversations going on at once. So I couldn't have picked a more complicated sketch as my first sketch on that show. <laughs> you wrote it yourself? I wrote it with Al Franken. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, that went on to just sort of be this iconic, <laughs> this iconic character. And that was probably worth your four years of college. And that was the degree yeah. paid for that character. That's right. Um, That's right. Well, the school I went to, only one one episode of that paid for. <laughs> it <wasn't> that expensive. <laughs> uh, so, Susan, you grew up in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and you knew you always, you had the acting bug early, right? So, I read, this just gives me no end of joy. Like, the <laughs> The delight that this causes me is so high that oh, the first- Susan portion is going on so long. Listen, okay, listen, <laughs> sit down, take a seat, sir. Take a seat. Take a uh, seat. Turn because I'm I love hearing. Pay uh, everybody. I hope you're dressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, one of your first roles was in an Amy Grant video, yes. and so we're going to need some details on that. <laughs> and you had this amazing compensation package. Um, uh-huh. Number one, an album. Number two, a twenty dollar bill. Yeah. Um, so we're going to need to know about this foray into into your your rising star. Wow. Okay. I would say it's very, most people that grow up in Nashville know how to sing. And I was the exception. I cannot sing a lick. Actually, I make coyotes bark and I, it's awful. I mean, it's awful. And, uh, so I found this little niche or niche, however you want to say it in Nashville, where I would audition because I loved acting and I would be in the music videos, but as the young girl kind of bop into the music. And so I, um, but they kind of liked me, these singers, because they knew I was not threatening them. I had no talent, and ah. I would just smile and sing and bop around with my parachute pants and my big hair sure. and my jazz shoes. And um, so I was in, I guess, Mickey Gillies' video, and I uh, mm-hmm. played a little kid in Johnny Cash's um, video, and nice. and I got to be buddies with his son, and, and they invited me over again because – Mr. Cash said, Susie, do you sing? I'm not even, Kevin, do Johnny Cash for me, baby, because I can't do Hey, Susie, you sing it all. <laughs> That's it. And I, <laughs> That's it. I said, Mr. Yeah. Cash, no, I don't. He said, well, why don't you come over for a play date on Saturday? So <laughs> I think that was my intro. Just as Johnny Cash says. Yes. Right. Yes, as he says. So I I just found my little little part of the world there where I could act and do these things and did plays, lots of plays. Yeah. Um, and yes, for Amy Grant, I was wearing parachute pants, I had big, humongous hair with a sweatshirt with Chinese lettering all over it. Sure. And that makes sense. we're bopping around. I get to sit right next to Amy. I was so excited and she had a cold <laughs> that day. I remember, and she had a halls in her mouth and she would take it out between takes. And I thought, <laughs> God, she's, she's real. Stars are just like us. You know, she's amazing. <laughs> And, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it my mission to f- to find that to at least find a still shot of you in those parachute pants. Oh, I got it. Over, you got it. Yeah, this is exciting. What year was that? Do you remember? It would have been. Let's see. If I was 12, then it would have been. I was born in 71, so it looks like 83. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing my okay. math. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was sort of your path in um, to acting, and then it just grew from there. Yeah, it grew from there, and then I finished high school, university school, in Nashville. Did lots of plays. 
came out to Los Angeles, went to film school at USC, and yeah. which was great because I did everything behind the scenes. I learned what a, light, mm. uh, a gaffer does, what directing is, what writing is, film criticism, took tons and tons of classes. And what was helpful is that when I graduated, I knew how to never be cut out of a movie. Because <laughs> I, I learned, you know, if the main actor is dying, I did this movie, um, this George Clooney movie. It's one of my first, it's a tiny little part, um, the Coen brothers directed. And they had several of us girls in the scene. They said, this guy's going to die in the scene. Who wants to be near him? And I raised my hand. No one else did. Because I knew if he's dying in the movie and I can slither on top of him and fall, <laughs> that's residuals for a lifetime, people. Residuals for a lifetime. And so that's what I, and that was my film school upbringing is just get yourself near the main characters and hang on tight. Hey, that's clever. And, I mean, you learn to slither on top of a dead body. Yes. And yeah. that, you know, I'm not Meryl Streep, but you do what you got to do. You know what? You're in that scene, aren't you? I, you know you're not on the cutting room floor. I'm not on the cutting room floor and I still get checks from that movie. So, but I, <laughs> so I'm so glad I got my film degree in something a little bit tangential and different from acting. And yeah. then from there, after graduating, I, I went and saw a friend perform at the Groundlings who was taking a, oh, a yeah. class series and I fell head over heels in love. And I just said, this is for me. Like I know my name. I wow. love satire and I loved improv. And so started taking classes. And that from there, that was really in the early nineties, um, and stayed with it. And I got an agent from that and that's kind of how it, it panned out. Yeah. I just, I, we're going to come back to you, Kevin. We remember that you're here. Mm -hmm. I just want to know more about the groundlings because I mean, it's just, it's legendary. It's just amazing that you were a part of such an iconic group. I mean, we're, the, this is the same group that brought us Conan and, and John Lovitz and Phil Hartman and Melissa McCarthy. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is just a stunning place to get your start. Um, and so interestingly, while you were there and that casting director saw you, you're, this, he cast you in Almost Famous. Yes. I mean, whoa. Yes, it was a, a woman named Gail Levin. Yes, and she, um, and that was interesting because originally Brad Pitt was in that movie and then I think yeah. he backed out and I was, and the, they brought me in to play his trophy wife or something. I was like, oh, this is exciting. Wife, yeah. trophy, and the word Brad Pitt all in the same sentence. <laughs> I like everything about this. Um, and then he backed out and then the movie got changed a little bit. Then I read for Kate Hudson's part, which I didn't get. They gave it to Kate Hudson. And then Cameron Crowe, the director, brought me in a third time. He said, you know what? I'm going to get you in this movie. So I ended up playing a flight attendant and was thrilled and tickled. And that was my first movie. And really having that credit was such a, you know, a, a flagpole on the hill. You know, just you putting that in the ground, that was such a great thing to do. And even though it was a tiny, little tiny part, it was, uh, it was a great launch. Do, do you prefer like now you've done everything you've done film, you've done TV, you've done, you've done comedy improv. What's your, what do you prefer? What do you love? Like, where does your heart beat the fastest comedy? Always. I, I love uh -huh. to be around people that are funny. I still go out with my comedy girls from the groundlings. And when our son Gable was born, Cheryl Hines and Rachel Harris were there at the hospital with me, who I did the groundlings with years ago. Um, they, those are my, that's my tribe. Those are, those girls are my people. We support each other. We've mm. been through marriages and children being born and mm -hmm. you name it. And we, we are really open about what we're being paid and too. So we've, mm. we've got that support. So, um, it's been really, really helpful over the 20 years or so to, to grow with these women. And I'm so grateful for that. I like to hear that. Um, because women have kind of had to fight for their place in comedy 
Um, it wasn't, it didn't come as easily as quickly probably as it did for, for Kevin and for, um, sort of some of his colleagues. So I love to hear that there is camaraderie there when there could be competition, uh, for fewer seats at the table. That's, um, that's amazing. Kevin, you were a part of comedy store. Um, can you talk a little bit about that season and who you were with and what you were learning, what you remember of it, what it was like? Well, when I first moved to Los Angeles, Jen, I my kind of uh, I threw my hat in the uh, improv on Melrose in Hollywood, and actually I became the bartender there. And there was really hmm. t- two big clubs in Los Angeles at the time. It was the Improvisation, and it was the Comedy Store. <clears throat> and I would do open mic nights on both of them, and I would hang out at the Improv because that's where it, the, a New York crowd was, you know. And and also hmm. you got so many interesting people coming in um, that I, that I met. And, um, it was more of a hangout place, you know, and I became a bartender there. So if some of the, one of the comics didn't show up, I would, um, go on stage, you okay. know, and, and I wasn't a good bartender. I didn't know how to make drinks at all. So I, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know what a seven and seven was, or you know, I had that Boston bartender. from Connecticut. What do yeah. you know about it? Yeah. Yeah. But I worked on the slow nights and, um, and and I loved it though, man. I really kind of I got to see comics coming in that I used to watch on TV. You know, I used sure. to highlight the names of comics on the, in the TV guide, but I would stay home and I just watched, you know, watch them. And and so I was seeing those same comics coming in, and um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And and it got to a point where you know it, the room was so packed in the back that I would have to go up into the office and look through a peephole to watch like Andy Kaufman on stage <laughs> and George Carlin and, and Steve wow. Martin and Richard Pryor, everybody. It was such a, an education for me. And the comedy store, you know, I, I, I never really passed it up there. Mitzi um, Shore, the owner, for okay. some reason, I think she knew I worked as a bartender. I used to work as a bartender at the improv. So she thought I was, you know, um, my, um, loyalties were at the improv, but they weren't, okay. you know, and, uh, but, but long story short, um, I eventually ended up working at a comedy store and, um, my name is finally on the outside of the comedy store, <laughs> which is my goal. Uh, you know what you just, you get your 15 minutes when you can get it. I, I heard an interview with you, Kevin, where, where you said that there was a moment, um, when you realized that comedy, it's not just fun. It's not just funny. It's not just entertaining, but it has, a, it really has an impact on people when, um, it was when Freddie Prince passed away. Can you talk to everybody just for a, about that moment and that impact that you felt and sort of what you took away from that? Sure. Like I said, I would, you know, I was a big comedy buff and I love comedians. And I couldn't believe that these people were making a living just by coming out on TV without any tools, you know, any mm-hmm. physical, like a drill or anything or a hammer and just dressed up and talking to the audience and getting laughs and being loved. And, um, and that, so that was kind of, um, you know, nesting inside of me the whole time. And and I knew it's what I wanted to do because I love telling jokes. I didn't know how to do it or if I ever could do it because I was such, I was so shy and so terrified to be in front of people speaking. Hmm, really? Yeah. And I, you know, I was living at home still and I was, I remember I was raking leaves and this is back in the seventies and, hmm. you know, Chico and the Man was a TV show. It was with Freddie Prince. And, um, and he was this young comic who would go on the Tonight Show, and and he would host the Tonight Show when Johnny wasn't yeah. there, and he was like a big deal, you know. And a young guy, he was probably I don't know, nineteen or whatever. Yeah. And I was raking leaves, you know, really ready to do some comedy, but not really sure where to go or how to do it. And I was raking leaves. I had the radio on outside, uh, listening to it in the yard, and um, and then they came on and they said that Freddie Prince had killed himself. Mm-hmm. And then f- the fallout from that made me realize what you know what an impact 
comedy has on people and mm. you know the the loss of this person would cause so much you know to do and mm. um and i thought this is you know this is really kind of um a sign for me a signal to kind of just go do it but you know what jen when i um when i was working on the road you know like i don't know maybe 10 years after that i was in albuquerque and i was at one mm. i was at a club and the owner said hey can I, can my son come back with his friend and meet you i said sure and his her son comes back and and he's got a friend with him and they introduce themselves and the the friend says hi my name's freddie prince jr no oh. way yeah it was freddie prince's son and um wow. and 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 cut to like i don't know 20 years later 25 years yeah. later his daughter goes to our son's school so i see him around oh, school no. a lot too you're joking. No, and I've told him this story too about his dad and he, you know, he loves to hear it. Oh, that's a really crazy thread. I just got chills telling that story. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, who are your who are your icons, Susan? Who do you love? Who were your oh. comedy heroes? Who were you watching? I have, I have to say I had a little bit more of a sinister uh <laughs> A dark side? Yeah, yes. I would say <laughs> um for me, when I knew that this comedy animal was so important was, was in childhood when my parents who were never meant to be married to each other, mm -hmm. uh, would, you know, not talk all day or fight all day. And the one time I would see them laughing together would be when Johnny Carson was on at night. And I remember as a little girl coming down the stairs and hearing laughter, the only time really I would hear that laughter. Wow. And that was when Johnny Carson was on. And I just maybe made that association that, um, mm that comedy and comedians bring light and love and laughter. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's my, uh, Freddie Prince story, so to speak. That's it makes I, me, it, that makes me remember when, right. You know, after nine 11 and we just did not know how to restart the engine yeah. as a, as a country, we didn't know when we could sort of come, come back to life. We didn't know when we, anything could be normal. And David Letterman, um, you probably remember was the first one who sort of came back on late night and just decided to sort of be the lead blocker there, um, with this, you know, very gifted mix of humor and compassion mm -hmm. and empathy and entertainment. And it almost sort of taught the rest of us how to breathe again. And it, I, I remember thinking the same thing, sort of a similar epiphany that um, humor matters. Absolutely. It really, really matters. It's good and it's good for us and it's good to us. Um, and laughter is not a small thing. Uh, I find it incredibly healing and cathartic and useful. And it finds a way to cut through the noise when almost nothing else can. Yes. When, when reason can't find its way or camaraderie or connection, somehow humor is the thing that can rise up and, and sort of bring us back. And so um, I, I'm with you 100%. I do not think this is, um, I don't think humor is silly. I don't think it's superfluous. I, I think it's really important, really central to sort of this character of our, of our culture. Okay, guys, quick break to tell you about two things I'm super excited about. So first of all, if you're feeling like you spend too much, eat too much, own too much, waste too much, you might want to check out the seven experiment video series and books I developed and take the seven week challenge against excess that literally changed our family's lives permanently. I'm, I'm serious. And listen, if you'll use the code podcast at checkout, you'll get $10 off any package. If you already have the book, 
and some of you do, we have a package for you too, and the code still counts. So you can find out more about all of this at the7experiment.com, the7experiment.com. Second, in the spirit of my latest book of Mess and Moxie and my good friend Nicole Nordeman's latest album, Every Mile Mattered, the two of us are hitting the road for the 12 City Moxie Matters Tour this spring. So it starts January 24th, and you guys really, it is it is such a great night. Tickets are as low as $24, and they are selling out by the day. So grab your friends and get your tickets at moxymatterstour.com. We seriously cannot wait to see you. So all this information about the seven experiment and the tour is also on my website at jenhatmaker.com. Okay, you guys, back to the show. Um, I want to ask you this, Kevin. Obviously, um, you went on... Well, let me just, let me back up just a little bit. I would love to know how you, how you went on to become, to get on SNL. So I heard that this came through Dana Carvey, um, that he got on the show and recommended you. Um, can you talk a little bit about the leap between doing stand up in LA to being on one of the most important shows in our American history? So what happened, Jen, was, you know, I was doing jokes and I mean, I was doing jokes in Los Angeles. I was becoming a stand-up comedian and I had done the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which was, you know, a big feather in my cap. It's kind of like sure. getting validated as a, a, you know, a comic. It's like passing your bar exam as a lawyer. And, um, and that was a thrill of my lifetime. And really, it's the biggest thing I've ever done in my career. It's the, it was the, the most natural high I've ever had, you know, getting mm-hmm. on that show and doing it and having Johnny like me and all that. But I was, um, I was renting a home in the Hollywood Hills with two other comics. You don't know who they are. <laughs> and um, Dana Carvey rented the room over the garage in our okay. uh, our house when he was down from San Francisco. He would stay there. <laughs> and we were buddies from the clubs. And we used to run around the Hollywood Reservoir together and hang out and just kind of jam in the driveway and talk about different things. You know, I enjoyed him. To this day, we're, we're still good friends. But okay. he goes to Los Angeles. And he, you know, for Saturday Night Live. Right. And I was so excited for him. I like knew, already uh, casted. He yeah, was on the cast. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got casted for that upcoming fall. Uh, season. And we were all excited for him. And I would never even thought about being an SNL because I wasn't a sketch player. You know, I didn't uh, do characters. I didn't do accents. Uh-huh. I was just a comic, you know, a really, really good comic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, um, so, thanks thanks for letting us know. <laughs> yeah. Just in case there's any doubt. Sure. <laughs> so I get a call from Dana one afternoon that summer before the show started that fall and he goes kev i'm out at laura michael's house i'm in the back bedroom oh, in the kitchen. bill murray and dan Aykroyd." i said you're kidding me he goes no anyway lauren said they're looking for one more cast member and i told him about you and i think he's going to want to see your tapes i said oh my gosh uh, bill murray and dan Aykroyd are in the kitchen that's all i cared about you know right and goes, of course he's calling on his home line because that's yeah, before cell phones that's right yeah so he like goes, he picked I, up his phone in the bedroom and called you right hopefully there wasn't a baby monitor back there. Right. <laughs> and he and he goes, I gotta go. Somebody's coming. So he hangs up. I don't think anything of it because I'll, you know, I'll never get on that show. But it was nice of him to, to mention my name. And then I'm still kind of, you know, basking in the Billy sure. Murray and, and Dan Aykroyd thing in the kitchen. So two weeks later, after I send my tapes in, he calls me again. He goes, Kevin, back out of Lauren Michael's house. I'm in the back bedroom. Guess who's in the kitchen? I said, who? He goes, Steve Martin. No way. No way. He goes, yeah. Anyway, I think Lauren likes your tapes. I think they're gonna fly you in for an audition. 
I said, what? <laughs> Steve Martin's in the kitchen? Steve Martin? <laughs> I got to go. Somebody's coming. <laughs> and John, I fly in thinking I'm never oh, going to get it. For me, it's just like a free trip to New York. You know, I okay. said, I'll, I'll just humor them. I'll go in. You know, I'll sure. show up. You know, because showing up's important, I guess. And I get on a plane <laughs> thinking it's just going to be maybe me and somebody else. But the whole plane is full of everybody going to audition for that one. Oh, know, no. Are you serious? Yeah. Even the pilot came out of the cockpit. Hey, you guys think this is funny for my audition? Wait, what? So we get Mess. there and it's the 30 Rock and everybody's pacing in the hallways. They're so nervous. Sure. Everybody's sweating. Not me, though, because I know I'll never get it. Okay. You know, I'm just going to – I'm just a free trip to New York for me. And, hey, this is nice. 30 Rock. This is where they, uh, they shoot. Sure. Uh, so you're fire. just going to do a bit. You're going to do one of your bits and just see what happens. So I'm going to do some of my stand-up. No characters. Okay. I'm going to do some okay. of my stand-up from uh, um, whatever, you know, The Tonight Show or whatever. And maybe I'll touch on some of the things Dane and I – we worked on some characters like in the driveway of our house just kind of kidding around, the things that made okay. us laugh. So I did those and I left thinking, well, that was that. I wonder who's going to get on that show. Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, I'm sitting in front of Laura Michaels in a high rise in Beverly Hills, and he's offering me a job on Saturday Night Live. Bananas. Yeah, and it just it showed me that if you just, if you just show up sometimes, you never know what's going to happen. So cut to two weeks later, I'm out at Laura Michaels' house in Long Island, <laughs> and I got a call from sure. Dana Carvey. He goes, Kev, I'm at a Laura Michaels' house. Guess who's in the kitchen? I said, I am, tough guy. I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> oh, man. I just, I love that story. Did Lauren tell you pretty early on, we want to start crafting character work with you? We want to start developing. Did you have to immediately jump into that sort of sort of comedic role and figure it out? Yeah, I had to figure it out because I was a joke writer. You know, I would write setups and punchlines as a stand-up mm-hmm. comic. I wasn't thinking in terms of characters and, you know, sketches, beginnings and middles. Not ends, though, because I realized that they don't have ends on those sketches, a lot of them, and um, and accents and things like that. But I also, I realized that living in New York City, you're you're thrown into the middle of so many different characters and accents. It, it kind of, it's like immersement when you're trying to learn Spanish or something, you know, just to go to that country. So, I was in this uh, melting pot of so many, uh, such a diverse, you know, um, group. And, it, and, and, but did, Lauren did say that to everybody. He said, you know, we got to, you know, characters is what we need and, you know, things like that. I'd like to, um, let me just say something about yeah. this. I cannot underscore enough the importance of just showing up, mm-hmm. not only in this business, but in life. And I, I remember going in for Everybody Loves Raymond, a guest star part. And yep. they, it was a, the leader of this kind of positive thinking cult. And I walk in and auditioning are all these women in their 60s, 70s, 80s. I thought I was in the wrong room. So I got on the phone in the bathroom with my manager. I said, I think I'm, I think I'm in the wrong place. And he said, no, they called you in. Okay. I said, no, but this is not my age group because I was in my 20s at the time. Um, and he said, just, just hang in there. So I go back, sign in. And sure enough, they just didn't know what they wanted for that part. And so okay. I thought, let me just see what happens. So I go in and ended up getting that part. And the, and what was written for someone older, they decided to the last minute to make it a younger part. And you just never know. And what I've learned now is not up to me to determine if I'm right or wrong for something. It's up to me to just to show up and let the chips fall where they may. And, I really like that. And that, that's for pretty much everything, not just auditioning, but I'm showing up, suiting up, and mm-hmm. and then whatever's to be will be. What, um, Susan, your career has been so interesting and so fun and so diverse. You've been on so many great shows and in great movies too. What, what's one of your, and of course, 
you know, Kevin's talking about having to learn sketch comedy and character acting and accents, but that's kind of your bread and butter because you, you came up through improv. Um, what's been one of your favorite roles? What have you loved to, what character did you love playing? I, oh, that's such a good question. I've loved two things come to mind. I've loved doing parks and recreation. Oh my gosh. And that was such a fun, fun part. And I love Amy Poehler so much. I just want to put kisses all over her sweet head. Mm. Talk about supportive and warm and Mm. just wants everyone to shine. And I love that being on the show. And we would do the copy that they gave us, which is always so incredibly skillfully written. It's so great. And then we would do improv takes. She'd say, okay, do you have a different idea? Or you want to throw this? Or Aziz would throw this out and she would throw out this. And just knowing that it's safe and some things are going to work and some are not going to work at all. But um, I love that freedom and support that she would give on set. So that role of Jessica Wicks, which Mm. was- You were made for Jessica. Jessica's the funniest character. Just the funniest. Thank you. You were so good. You brought, you brought her, I don't know how she was written in to the script, but you brought her to the front um, as just the, one of the most memorable characters. Thank so you funny. so much. Thank you. That was supposed oh, to be one, one episode. I came in just for one. I knew one. it. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And they're like, we've got to have Jessica back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You made her so funny. You Thank brought her you. to life. I like hearing that about Amy Puller. You told me that before. And... Uh, again, I love that sort of sense of collaboration where comics trust one another and give each other some liberty to move a little sideways or have a little flex with your character. And so on Parks and Rec specifically, was a lot of your work that made it to the final product improv? Some of it was. I would say yeah. they they would definitely be open to that. I would see. I remember asking, they, they asked me, I was a former pageant winner, Jessica Wicks won Miss something, you know, 1993 pageant winner. And so they had something come up where they wanted me to know what my skill was when I won the pageant. And I asked (laughs) them if I could just say that it was packing a suitcase, that I came on the (laughs) stage and packed a suitcase. (laughs) And they said, sure. So they left that one in. There's, yeah, it's kind of spotted. Um, They'll they'll leave some things in, other things they'll strike. You just never know, but um, they're definitely open. So that was fun. That was really, oh, that's really so fun. fun. Uh, both of your careers are very prolific and um, something is just constantly going on in both of your lives. So how did you two meet? Can you tell everybody? Because uh, you're, it's so busy, the work that you do and it's the schedules are weird and unpredictable and awkward. And so how, how did you meet and what were your first impressions of each other? And did you immediately think the other one was funny or not? Because, you know, sometimes people who think they're funny all the time can bomb in real life. hundred so, percent. Yes. <laughs> Kevin, you want to take that, babe? Okay. Well, I was going, I was on my way to do a, um, wait, let me back up a little bit. Okay. I was hosting a show called the conspiracy zone. And, um, a friend of mine was shooting a pilot for a talk show, John Henson, who used to do talk soup. Yep. And he asked me if I would be a guest on there along with Ray Romano and Kevin James. I said, sure. So I said, I'll come over after my, I take my show. So I, I'm heading over there after I take my show. And, um, and I had been single for a while and I was just wondering if I'd ever have, you know, kids or a family or anything. And, um, and I hadn't met anybody and I was kind of getting, you know, um, you know, not impatient, but I was just kind of wondering what, what, what would be happening in that, you know, arena. So I get to this, uh, to, to the Sony lot. And I, um, 
I go into the makeup room and it's a big old makeup room and okay. there's um, one there's like five chairs in there and Susan's sitting on the first one as I come in and I see her and I, I think to myself, wow, she's cute. You know, she's cute. Uh-huh. And, she is. And, uh, and Thank then I go, I go down to, uh, <laughs> I go down four chairs to my makeup artist and I sit in the chair and loud enough for Susan to hear, I said to my makeup artist, I say, you know, you hear a lot about single actresses adopting babies <laughs> oh, or baby. Can a single guy adopt a baby? Oh, <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, kind of- no. Right then, I thought this is either the worst pickup line <laughs> oh. ever or the greatest thing I've ever heard. Because in exactly. one swipe, I knew he was single, available, single. wanted, was very parent-centered, uh-huh. wanted a family. Uh-huh. So I kind of dug it because it was so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. But I can it's honestly so tell shameless. you, I can, I can honestly tell you, I don't, I don't think, I, I, I don't remember if I had done that as like a jokey kind of thing or uh-huh. for her to hear or as a pickup thing. But I do know that I, I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know if she was married or if she, you okay. know, was available or, or anything like that. And then we just kind of hung out, like, because they, you know, these shows hmm. run so far behind. And Susan was kept pushed back all day. She was there all day. And I was just, people were coming in and kind of, you know, going ahead of her because, they, you know, we because were all big were, stars. They were big stars. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> and so um, I just hung out with her and we just kind of, you know, laughed about things. And, and we were funny with each other. And neither one of uh-huh. us had expectations because I don't think Susan was that familiar with with my work and I didn't know who she was. And, um, I think, what was the thing says that, um, that you liked that I said that was funny? Oh, you know, those big steamers, Jen, that, that are pretty tall, that you, you steam your clothes with their own wheels. They're real sure. tall and skinny. Yeah. And there was one in the waiting area. And he said to me, if you worked on the Sony lot here and you had to steal this, how would you steal it? <laughs> what a weird question. Again, I'm loving his mind. I'm like, what a freak. I love this. <laughs> I love it. And I said, well, babe, I, I didn't say babe. I said, well, right. um, let me think about it. I think what I would do is maybe put a jacket around it, a blazer, uh-huh. a nice top sure. hat, wrap my uh-huh. arm around it and just go off with it. Kind of like a scarecrow. It looks like a scarecrow. And yeah. and I thought that was like a C plus answer. It wasn't fantastic. Pretty quick on your feet. Pretty quick on your feet. But listen to his answer though. This is this is why he's my husband. Listen to the answer. <laughs> what he's and this is why I own that steamer now too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I said that um, I would come to work every day with roller skates on, you know, (laughs) Uh, and then after about a month of wearing roller skates to work, I would take one of the skates off. And run that long rod up my pant leg, so just the wheels <laughs> oh, on the bottom, God. and then I would skate out with it. <laughs> you know what? That's the moment you had to know you were going to marry Kevin Nealon. What knew. else are you going to do but marry that person? I said, I, I got to just take him off the market because that mind <laughs> needs to sleep on my pillow. That. That's amazing. So speaking of, um, tell everybody about your subsequent wedding. And uh, So how long, how long did you date before you got married? Long time. Uh, about three and a half years. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you, you're you dating for three and a half years. Then you get married. Tell us about the infamous Matt Damon incident. This is all like important content. <laughs> well, we, we wanted to um, we had, we wanted to go off to Europe to get married and not have a big wedding. Okay. Um, because we're both very nervous about getting married. We didn't want to have a big, you know, uh, in, in, you know, invite list of people hanging out and then us, you know, get cold feet and back out and, you know, disappoint everybody. So we thought it'd be less pressure, more fun for us if we kind of ran off to Europe and got married in Italy. So we, we picked Bellagio, which is a beautiful, um, lakeside town Mm -hmm. in uh, Lake Como, um, in Northern Italy. 
and um, we get there, and um, you know, we're being married in the um, in the uh, town hall by the mayor, the town mm-hmm. library, the town think. library, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's got, and it's all Italian, you know. So okay. we're not really we're not even sure anything. what we committed to. We have no yeah, clue. Right. It could have been a restraining order, for all we know. <laughs> and we hired two um, witnesses. Just gave them twenty euros each. Okay. <laughs> and um, you know, we as as we're doing the ceremony, we look outside into the courtyard and we see a lot of people gathering, a lot of people like photographers and stuff. And then when we come out, they're everywhere and they're taking pictures. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, what is going on? Well, we found out that I guess maybe two weeks before we got there, um, Matt Damon had come there to look for a place to get married. Okay. And in the paper, uh, about a week before we got there, it said American celebrity coming to <laughs> Lake Homo to get married. So everybody thought it was Matt Damon. <laughs> so, you know, the, even though we weren't Matt Damon's, you know, they took pictures of us. And the next day we're sitting by the lake at a cafe and the, the guy's reading the newspaper, Italian newspaper next to us. Sure. And we're on the cover of the newspaper. Big picture. It says non-Ada Matt Damon. Not Matt Damon. <laughs> not Matt Damon. With the picture of us. And I kid you not, Jen, I walked out of that biblioteca, that library, in my wedding dress. To the saddest faces of photographers, oh, literally their lenses were going down on the cobblestone. <laughs> they were so mad at us for not being Matt Damon. Right. It was, oh. but they were just trying to be cordial, so they snapped our pictures anyway. And I thought, why are they? Do they seem so disappointed? <laughs> what, what have I done? Well, they weren't too upset. They put you on the front on the front page. Yeah, I guess That's so. Right. Who's laughing now? <laughs> Who's That's laughing right. now? And it's our favorite thing. We're going to have that frame for Gable's room. Is to put non-era Matt Damon, his parents. You know, on the cover of the you know what? magazine. It's his legacy and his heritage. Yes. So absolutely, <laughs> let's hang it on that kid's wall. Um, that's the most amazing story that I've maybe ever heard. So <laughs> that's that's fabulous. Uh, and you've been married now for 12 years? Yeah, together, 17. Yeah. Married. Um, this year will be, let's see, this year will be 13 years. Yeah. But we that's were not together. Guy. We were not together for about 47 years. Okay, well, that's that's true. And now you fixed it? Yeah. Right, because he was, yes. we're 18 years difference. So yes, 18 years December. Older. Sometimes yeah. 17. For part of the year, it's 17. You like saying uh-huh. that, but if you take our birthdays, yeah. it's actually probably 18. But <laughs> at this point, who cares? Listen, give him his half of year. I will. Um, <laughs> right. And then, I mean, three years later, sun time, baby time. Oh, yeah. That's the best. So dreamy. So dreamy, you guys. You made a good baby. Thanks. I only was able to have one. So I go, I guess that's what, you know, I, oh, but I, he's darling. I do adore him. And yes, it's one, it's, you know, the hardest job I ever loved, as they say, it's amazing. Yes, I completely agree. So let me, um, let's talk real quick about hiking with Kevin. That's something really fun that you're doing, Kevin. It's so fun to watch too. Um, can you talk just a, a minute about why you are doing that and where did that idea come from? Thank you for asking me about that show because it's something that's really close to me. I love doing it. It's just a little show that I created. Um, It started on um, Instagram and Twitter. I was just doing like a minute or a two minute version of it. And I was just go hiking in a a canyon near my house. And I invited a friend of mine come at the actor, uh, Matthew Modine, you know, from Full Metal Jacket. He's on um, Stranger Things now. Yeah. 
And um, we're friends. And I had my cell phone. And I thought of, you know, I'm always trying to think of funny bits to do. Sure. To post. And I thought it'd be funny if I was interviewing him as we're hiking. And I was so out of breath, eventually, you couldn't even understand the questions I was asking him. And he was out of breath, and I couldn't understand what he was answering, you know. <laughs> so that's – I did a short little video about that, which is, um, you know, on YouTube. And then I started thinking, you know, as we were coming down the mountain, I, I started interviewing about other things, about like shows that – you know, movies that he passed on, which was really interesting. Like, he, you know, mm-hmm. he passed on um, – Top Gun. After doing Full Metal Jacket, wow. he passed the Tom Cruise part in Top Gun. He passed on uh, Back to the Future and Wall Street. Wow. All three of those. So I thought this is kind of interesting. I should hike with some more of my celebrity friends and you know find sure. out what they're about. So I started to get a little more involved in it and made it more of an interview thing, like outside just hiking, and and then posted it on like two minute segments on Instagram or, or Twitter, and then I started moving it over to YouTube. So now it's on YouTube. Um, if you go to YouTube.com/slash Kevin Neal Comedy, you could um, find. Um, a lot of the hikes on there and I keep posting them, but I, I love doing it. They're really fun. And it's this fun, this mix of just comedians being hilarious and, but also some real stuff. You kind of dig around a little bit and talk about some real things. And who's been your, your favorite person to interview on the hiking series? Well, I've had a lot of good ones. They're all random uh-huh. questions, by the way. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. not like one of these well-planned thought out interviewers, uh-huh. but they're just kind of random. I ask, ask silly questions and I, and it's just me with my selfie stick too and the camera. So it's a little bit raw and shaky and the sound's not that great, but it's, it's still kind of fun. Uh, and it's not just comedians, Jen. I've had like, you know, Robert uh, F. Kennedy yeah. on there and Brad right. Paisley and uh, yep. and actresses. And um, so it's been, you know, it's been a, a really eclectic group of people. But, um, I, you know, it's hard to say who my favorite was. It was fun to have um, Tiffany Haddish on because she's a rising oh. star, you know. And she's, oh, she's funny. So Just funny. so animated and so fun and, and, and just, you know, so original and organic you know i like she is it's fun to watch her star rise right now Mm -hmm. um because she's just got a real special talent that doesn't sound like anybody else that i'm watching and uh, i'm cheering for her one last tiny break listeners so i want to give you some free stuff if you're popping into the podcast but you haven't read my latest book of mess and moxie yet i want to give you some free stuff so it's just this simple if you text the word moxie m-o-x-i-e to 313131 we're just going to send you some free stuff. First of all, you're going to get to download a bunch of my favorite recipes. And second of all, we're going to send you the whole first chapter of the book for free, just so you can take a take a peek at it, have a taste for it, see if you like it. Um, and that's it. No strings attached. So you want a little bit of freebie in the middle of your day, just text the word MOXIE to 313131 and we'll send you your stuff um, simply because... I love you and I appreciate you. And I thank you for jumping in here to the podcast week after week. So there you go. Free stuff for you. And now back to the show. I read Susan where you had, you were asked, you know, what's it, what's it like to be married to a comedian? And you're like, well, you know, I could have married a musician and he'd have written songs about me. You said this to me last summer too, uh, but I married a comedian. So I get jokes written about me. That's right. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a trade-off. Um, does he run these by you for approval, these jokes, or has there ever been like uh, no, Kevin, that is a hard no. You don't get to say that one on a stage. What a great question. I would say, here's the thing with marrying a stand-up is that 
I've decided I can't marry a stand-up and then complain that he's telling jokes about me. So I have okay, to right. say the way if I married a painter and I'd watch him put the canvas out, I wouldn't tell him what to paint. I would just okay. give him that freedom. So I allow him to do his art form. That yeah. being said, if anything is going straight down the rabbit hole <laughs> that I feel is going to be far reaching and uh, hurtful, I will say oh, yeah. there was one joke that I asked him to take out, I think in 17 years together, really? one, one joke that I said um, about me. Uh-huh. Um, there's times I, I n- give him notes about other topics. I'll say, you know what, that's a little too political or that's too dry. Uh-huh. But in terms of about me, there was one joke I told him to take out. And Kevin, if you'd like to tell it, you're welcome to. Oh, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. The birthing room joke. Oh, no. I can see where this would go sideways. Let's hear the forbidden joke. But first, I have your permission to tell it? Yeah, I mean, okay. Yes, you do. Okay. Yeah. Well, so when when Gable was born, we went to the hospital, and um, you know, I'm I'm not really good with um, blood and placenta, you know. Okay. But I, and I knew I might be involved somehow. The doctor might yes. pull me into it. Yep. And but my job was kind of to work the iPod, you know. That was focus on that. I thought that would take me away from other duties, you know. <laughs> and so uh, the doctor, when this is all coming down, the doctor goes, "Do you, do you want to help with this?" I said, "Yeah, I'm working the iPod." Sure. She goes, no, I mean, do you want to help deliver the baby? And I, th- I said, no, I thought, no, no, definitely not. Mm-hmm. But because I hate confrontation, I said, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll help. <laughs> so she gave me these latex oh, no. gloves, which meant something was going to get wet. That's and, right. And it better not be the iPod, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and That's I, not I, even I, the part I hate yet. Yeah. And I put the latex gloves on, and then she instructs me to hold my wife's left leg up. Yep. Here, which is how I got in this position in the first place. <laughs> I see. And I'm angry because I can't, I can't hold a leg up and work the iPod at the same time. You know, I should have hired a DJ, you know, to come in and I would have had him hold the leg and I could have worked the iPod. <laughs> but anyway, the, the doctor goes, um, Oh, the, the baby's head is coming out. And, um, and, uh, it looks, it's like, it looks like, you know, hairy, uh, purplish and gray. And, and I said, I, I don't know. I think that's always been there. <laughs> Boom! That's the, that's it. That was the that joke. Was the one that came out. <laughs> so that one, that one was struck from the record, I, and that feels that feels like the right choice. Oh, you with me, Jen? Uh, on that, you got my back. Oh my gosh! I see. I see what you're saying. There just is occasionally you get to like pull rank, just occasionally. Yeah. Okay, you guys. So you're so fun, and I love you both so much. Uh, let me ask you this before we wrap it up here: uh, What are you both working on right now? What's coming up for you both, either together or separate in your careers? Like, what are we watching for next? Um, so quickly, I'll be on. T- the first episode of love that is going to be streaming. I believe it comes out in February on Netflix. And then I've got a small part in the next Johnny Knoxville movie that is coming out in May. And then there's a movie out now on Netflix called mascots, a Christopher guest movie that's out now. So you can actually see that mascots and I'm in that uh, playing Parker Posey sister. So you can see that today and then stuff is coming out in the next few months. Girl, you're just hustling. You go, girl. You, you go, go girl. girl. And I am, um, you know, I have a show on CBS. It's called Man with yep. a Plan on uh, Monday nights, 8 30 Central. <laughs> and that's with Matt LeBlanc. Yep. Uh, he plays my uh, younger brother. And we have a construction company and families and um, all of that jazz. And then, of course, my Hiking <laughs> with Kevin. Hiking with yeah. Kevin show is, um, then I'm going to keep pumping those out. And I have some good guests lined up uh, for the next couple of months. 
Are you glad to kind of be back in the TV rotation, that sort of schedule, that kind of rhythm? Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It keeps me home, you know, where I don't have to be out on the road all the time. Although I do have a nice gig coming up this week. I'm going to Hawaii for a couple of days. It's not terrible. No. Just to no. tell jokes. for the, He's going for one day to tell jokes and then fly back the next. That sounds good. It's a good life. Are yeah. you going? Are you going, Susan? No, because uh, it's Gable's birthday weekend. So yep. uh, he'll fly back just in time, midway through the birthday party. So I'm going to be yes. here um, for that. Uh, it's pretty brilliant timing to get to miss all the setup and just get there for the fun. Well yeah, done, right. you. <laughs> um, okay, just a couple of quick wrap-up questions, and then I will um, send you on your merry way. Okay, so first to you, Kevin, and this is just as quick as you want. So what's what would you say is the best, like, either comedy bit or character that you ever came up with? What's your, like, star? What's your shining gold star? Oh, man. What's your favorite can I tell you my favorite thing you've done? Oh, I'd love to hear that. Sure. Yeah. I love your hiking with Kevin right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because nice. it's who you really are. Mm-hmm. You're such a good listener, Kevin. I think when you're hiking with people, um, that's the most organic you I've seen. I love that. Interesting. Oh, I like that too. Thank you. Thank you. I did like a sketch I did on SNL. It's kind of like under mm-hmm. the radar, but was, I think it was one of my last sketches I did that I wrote. It's called a bathroom attendant and Harvey Keitel was the host. And I play a bathroom attendant in a very small bathroom in a restaurant. (laughs) And Harvey Keitel comes in and he sees me standing there with just an open toilet, you know, no stall. And he thinks I'm using the restroom. And I said, no, no, I'm the bathroom uh, attendant. And he comes in, he's very uncomfortable the whole time. And I'm just doing all this, you know, I'm helping him pull his pants down. I'm putting the cast <laughs> and uh, giving him cologne and newspapers. And I mean, it's probably on YouTube somewhere, but. Oh, I'm going to find it. I'll find it and put it on my website. That's okay. hilarious. Cool. Uh, how about you, Susan? Like, what's your, what's your, the role that you're the most proud of, or that was your very, very, very favorite? I would say being in the Christopher Guest movie has been. Oh, yeah. I, because I just have loved his movies since I was mm, little, since special. Final Tap. He's so special. And as mm-hmm. an improviser, to me, that was really the gold standard. That is my North Star as an improviser is to be working with him. And it just was all that and a bag of chips. It was so wonderful. So that that part and getting to work with Parker Posey and that whole cast, Jane Lynch, mm-hmm. that whole group, Ed oh, Begley. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was an incredible experience. That, that's been my favorite job, I would say. Mm -hmm. Ah, love it. Okay. Um, final question for both of you. Uh, and this is what I ask all my guests, uh, right at the end of the podcast. And then this can be serious. It can be silly. It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, and it's this, what is saving your life right now? Um, for me, it's, um, hope, (laughs) um, family, you know, and music, I think those three. Hmm. What are you listening to right now? Um, God, I have such a, a diverse, um, I, mm-hmm. you know, um, list on my phone, <laughs> but, um, I do like, um, I do like Ed Sheeran. I'm, and I'm always mm. listening to Beatles, you know, I'm such a Beatles <laughs> of fan. Course. And, um, 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 you know, it could yeah. be anything I could, you know, go from a classical song to, um, you know, old school rock. I love that answer. I think music um, does for our culture something similar as comedy. Yes. It it reaches a space that sometimes just 
spoken words cannot. Um, something about it can bring us together and heal something inside of us. And um, it sort of gives us a language when we don't know what else to say. So I'm with you entirely on that. I like that you said hope. I think that's great. I We're in short supply of hope right now. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly grabbing onto people who are offering it and giving it away and speaking it out loud. And I don't think we can have any, we cannot have too much of it right now. That's great. What about you, Susan? Wow. Um, I would say prayer. Mm. I would say double meditation time. Yes. Everything is doubled now. I have to go within Mm. and go deeper than I've ever had to go in my life. Doubling down on my prayer, on my Mm. knees a lot, lots of meditation. Food. Double down on the food. Double chocolate sundaes. Double forgiveness. Lots of forgiveness. I hear you. Um, I, that's yeah. beautiful. Thanks. I know. When the well seems to get emptied out sooner, you just double down. Yes. Um, so fill who, it up twice right? as fast. Jen, who was right on that one between the two of us? <laughs> and if you won, Which one is the better lifesaver? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the winner because I got to have you on my podcast. Oh, Thank you. That's, oh, oh me. Good answer. Good answer. Hat maker for the win. Uh, you guys, thanks for being on today. You're so wonderful. You're thank you for bringing so much joy to our lives. You just you've made us laugh for so many years, and um, you've entertained us, and you've given us characters that we have sincerely loved. I mean, really sincerely loved. And you've got so much great career in front of you yet. I can't wait to watch what happens. But also, I'm so happy to be your friend. Aww. So thank Likewise. you for being a good friend to me and and kind to me and welcoming into your amazing friend circle. It's been such a great year. Um, okay, you guys. We love you. We're excited you. to see you February 6th in Pasadena. I know. I know. I'm so happy. And you got the girlfriends pack, so I'll get to see you both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Kevin's one of the girlfriends. <laughs> All he right. Is now. He is now. Thanks, you guys, for being on today. Bye, babe. All right. Bye-bye. See you, See ya. <laughs> Aren't they fun? I really like those two. And one thing that I want you to know, and I mentioned this in the intro, they're really, really great people. Um, They do a lot of good in the world. This is not anything they ever talk about um, or they're ever going to just put right in front of your face, but they just partner in some really important work for the good of people and the good of the community. And I'm just really proud to be their friends. And plus they are hilarious. So I know you enjoyed that. I'm sorry for all my cackling. I I have no chill. When people make me laugh, I can't laugh quietly. So I'm sorry about that. I hope I didn't um, tear your eardrums out. Uh, So everything we mentioned, you guys, all of their shows, all of their links, Kevin's hiking series, everything they've ever done, we're going to have linked over on my website um, under podcast at jenhatmaker.com. So, um, all their social media links will be there too. If you want to follow them, cause they're both really, really fun to follow on, on social media, as you can imagine. Um, and we'll have some great pictures of us up there over there too. Um, some of our, we've spent several times, several moments together in real life, which we're so lucky. 
lucky, lucky people to have such great friends. So um, thanks for joining me. We have more really, really fun guests on For the Love of Laughter series. It's all going to be entertaining. Some of the funniest people I know are coming on this show and you are going to enjoy it. So this will absolutely help you pass an hour of your time that I can promise you. Um, You guys, thanks for listening week in and week out. Thank you for your reviews and your ratings. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I love meeting you when I'm out and hearing what you loved. We're always paying attention to what you would like to hear about. So keep letting us know. Uh, We take crazy notes on all your feedback. So um, we really, really appreciate all of it. Okay, you guys have a fabulous week and I'll see you next time. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.